Romans chapter number 10 in your Bibles this evening. Romans chapter number 10, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Romans chapter number 10, we'll begin reading in verse number 9. Romans chapter number 10, <clears throat> excuse me, in your Bibles, begin reading in verse number 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What a wonderful verse that is. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I like the word whosoever. People have taken their machetes, their pen knives, and everything they can to take that word out, but it's still there. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wonderful, wonderful. Verse number 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, the Lord who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I've entitled our time this evening, the message this evening is simply this, send the light. Send the light. I like for us to consider the three questions that we find out of verse number 14. There are another, there's another question, another couple questions out of verse number 15. But for our emphasis tonight, those out of verse number 14, first question is how? How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? For whosoever. But then the question is asked how? How shall they call on whom they've not believed? Second question, how shall they believe in whom they've not heard? How are they going to call? How are they going to, if they've not believed, how are they going to believe if they've not heard? Third question, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? In Romans chapter number 10 is a tremendous passage in the Bible. Paul expresses his heart's desire. His heart's desire. We see him bear his heart before us out of verse number 1. When he makes this statement, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. But what a heart's desire. That's his, that's his hope. That, that's what he would long to see. That they might be saved, his, his, his brethren. I dare say that there are people here tonight that have family members. And your heart's desire is that you'd see them saved. And that's a worthy thing. That's a needful thing. Uh, for all men must be saved in order to go to heaven. But the desire is, some of you have prayed for decades maybe, for years. Maybe a spouse, a husband, a wife, a, a child, a, a, a sibling. Your desire is that you'd see them born again in Christ. And Paul is, I can imagine, as he's pinning these words that, that the faces of people begin to come across his mind and his, his, his thinking. And boy, I'd like to see that one saved. 
Boy, I'd like to see that one saved. I remember when we were uh, going to school, and I'd like to see that one saved. Maybe it was a neighbor, somebody he lived with, an acquaintance. Maybe somebody that he shopped with, he did uh, purchased uh, food with, or whatever the occasion, as a tent maker, whatever the situation was. Boy, I'd like to see them get saved. I can imagine that was what was taking place. My heart's desire is that they would be born again. He says in verse number 2, with regards to the nation of Israel, he says, they have a zeal for God, but their zeal for God is not founded upon Bible truth. You know, you can be serious, you can have a zeal in having the wrong thing and die and go to hell. A lot of people have a zeal for religion, but that won't send you to heaven. You can be uh, really zealous in a particular thing. Uh, There are Folks that would follow a different, uh, the Muslim, for instance, could have a very, be very zealous in that. A Hindu could be very zealous in that, but zealous in the wrong thing, zealous in the wrong way, depending upon the wrong thing, and not founded upon Bible truth. And so he says they have a zeal for God, but it's not founded upon the right thing. Their zeal is based in ignorance, wrong thinking, a wrong belief system. They, as a nation, were seeking to produce their own righteousness by keeping an Old Testament law. The law given to Moses, the Ten Commandments, if we can just keep it. And not only that, but they were added to. They just kept adding to these things. So if we can somehow produce our own righteousness, the nation of Israel, the Jewish nation, the religious establishment, believed and taught that a person could be saved by keeping an Old Testament law. He says out of verse number 3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Going about to try to produce, going about to establish their own righteousness. And let me just say that's an impossibility. You, you can establish a righteousness in your own thinking as long as you compare yourself with the person, I won't say in the pew beside you, but I, the, the person that's on the front page of the Roanoke Times and be depressed, the person that's on the front page of uh, the newspapers, the things you hear, you can always find yourself that you can enable yourself to look better than somebody else. If we compare ourselves that way, I always look good. But when I compare myself to Jesus Christ, when I compare myself to His righteousness, every single time I come up short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When I compare myself with that, with Him, with His righteousness, I come up short. And so yet these people are trying to keep an Old Testament law, not in order to be, uh, in order to save themselves, and that's what they were seeking to do. And God gave that Old Testament law, not in order that they may be saved by it, but He gave the Old Testament law to show them that they needed to be saved. That's the purpose, to show them that they needed to be saved. The law, the Old Testament was given for uh, several purposes, but let me just mention, I think, two very important purposes for which the law was given. First of all, it's set forth. The law sets forth the perfect holiness of God. The perfect holiness of God. God's demands for perfection. 
It sets forth what God demands. If you're going to go to God's heaven, you're going to have to go to God's heaven with His righteousness. And there is no one that's been able to keep the law. So it sets forth God's holiness and His righteous standard. And in doing so, it also shows forth man's complete sinfulness. Because we can't keep it. You can't fulfill it. How far man comes short of the glory of God. That's what the law does. For all have sinned and again come short. The law was given not to produce righteousness. The law was given to, pr- pr- to prove man's sin. And yet people are trying to keep some sort of law today. Where you go, you've got to keep a law. You've got to keep the Sabbath. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to keep some law. I'm glad that the law was kept perfect in Jesus Christ. Now I have to keep some sort of law in order to hopefully save myself because Jesus perfectly kept it. And so when He imputes, He takes my sin from me and He imputes His righteousness to me, that, my dear friend, is salvation. That is what enables me To fulfill God's perfection. Not that I've done it, but God's done it for me. And then He gives that to me. He puts that upon my account. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The law was given to show man his guilty state and his condition before God. Lost, alienated, separated, dead in trespasses and sin. Doomed to destruction and wrath of God. Abiding already upon us, John tells us. The justice of God. The justice of God demands the judgment of God. His justice demands judgment. What kind of judge sitting upon a bench in a court would be doing justice if those who came before him, uh, those people who had broken the laws of the land, if they just come before him and he just says, Oh, no big deal. Just go be on your way. Try to do better next time. It's no big deal. It's a big deal if that law that's been broken has been perpetrated against you. Justice must be performed. And God is a just and a righteous, holy God of perfection. And He must judge sin. If He does not judge sin, then He's no longer just. But He is just, so therefore He must judge sin. The Bible teaches in Romans chapter 3. Look at Romans chapter 3. Hold your place and go with me to Romans chapter 3 and verse number 19. Romans 3 and verse number 19, if you will, please. Look up at verse number 18, and I think this is the the big crux of the matter we see in a world today that we live in. There is no fear of God before their eyes. What a statement that is. No fear of God before their eyes. Verse number 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. We're all lawbreakers. We don't have an excuse. We don't have an alibi. Every mouth is stopped when it comes to this truth that we all become guilty All the world become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. 
But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified, here it is, freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith. In his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God, I declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth on Jesus or in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works, nay, but by the faith, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. What a wonderful foundational passage of Scripture. No man can be saved by trying to keep some law. Yet, so many people in this world are believing in some sort of good works based salvation. Believing that if I do good enough, if I work harder at it, that somehow that at the end of this old life that, that my good will outweigh the bad. If I can just work my way, if I can just pull myself up by my bootstraps a little bit more and get up and try each day. But each day that people would make that declaration in their own hearts, they only find out by the end of the day it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But the Bible is clear. The Bible is clear in its teaching. That salvation comes by faith. For by grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. It's faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. The good works can never save us. But faith in Jesus Christ alone is the only way to salvation. I mentioned the verse this morning. Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must. That word must. You must. You must. You must be saved. Why go to the Amazon regions of Guyana? Why go as a missionary to to Denmark to learn a very difficult language so that you might go to another place? To learn another difficult language. To reach an Inuit people. Why go to Japan and learn a very difficult language? A hard one. Why do that? Why go to Romania? Why go to these places? Why go to Fiji and take your family to the country of Fiji? To a native place where the natives are. And, and, and it's, it's completely different. A different culture. A different lifestyle. Why go? Because everybody must be saved. Every man must be saved. And good works will never save them. But faith in Jesus Christ is the only way. You must be saved. Therefore, we must be saved in Christ. Christ Jesus is exclusively the only way. There is not another way, exclusively the only way. The problem is that people don't know this truth. The problem is people don't know this truth. 
Another aspect of that problem is people that know it ignore it. Even though people have heard it. Know what the Bible says. They ignore the fact that they must be saved. They ignore the fact that Jesus is the only way. So therefore they go about seeking to, to bring about their own righteousness. To establish their own righteousness. But yet still people are lost in sin without hope in this world. Dying and going to hell without Christ. Many have religion but they don't have Jesus. Many have religion, but they don't have Jesus. And certainly we saw that in recent days as we were away. Catholicism, the Anglican Church, Lutheranism, the Church of Christ. All of these and others will baptize a person into an ill-gotten religion. But listen, they can baptize you in a pool of water and sprinkle you. and Whatever they choose to do. They can baptize you into the church, but they can never baptize you into the family of God. Can never baptize you into the family of God. As hard as they tried, as much as they would desire to do so, they cannot. Pedo-baptism, they'll take a child. They'll take a child, and that child does not even understand. He can't even say mom and daddy yet, and they'll take and sprinkle them. And that child will grow up and living their life, growing up thinking that they're a Christian because of something that they were told about that they have no idea. Listen, it's believer's baptism the Bible teaches. Believer's baptism. We're not baptized to be saved. We're baptized in obedience because we are saved. Believers. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it teach otherwise. Membership into a state religion does not provide membership into the family of God. No entrance into heaven. People must hear the gospel. They must be born again. And all are born again once. We're all, excuse me, all born once. I've mentioned it before. We're all born once to get here. But we'll have to be born again. Every man, woman, boy, and girl will have to be born again to get there to God's heaven. But the question comes here. And we read it in our text. The question comes up again. Out of Romans chapter number 10. How? How? How then shall they call on him and they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You can almost turn the verse around. And where are the preachers? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how are they going to call? How are they going to call upon one they've not heard from? So there must be a preacher that must tell them before they can lead, for that can lead to the believing. How? And this is what boils down to us tonight. The how of salvation. The answer to the question is clearly given in the scriptures. How? Where's the preacher? How are they going to call? How are they going to believe? We are to be the ones to tell them. That's the answer. This congregation and others like it all over the world. We are the ones that are to tell them. So why do we go to these places? To tell them. To preach the gospel to them. So that they may hear and then they may believe. It's the responsibility is given to us. It is incumbent upon our generation to reach our generation. Lest another generation comes up that does not know God. And what a terrible thought that is. But yet I believe we're... Getting pretty close to that generation. We see all around us young people have never heard of God. Never known the Bible. You used to be able to take the Bible and and take someone in years past. and, And almost just jump into the Bible just about any place. 
And you could lead them to Christ. But now you got to even start with what's a Bible. You got to even start with the foundation of who God is. And you got to start in places that, that before it, there was some foundation. There was some, something that was built upon. They may not have been saved, but they have heard. But now we have an entire generation in the world that's never even heard a simplistic gospel. Never even have a Bible. Never heard anything of a church. Don't know what it is. You can't, it's not like it was. So we're getting closer and closer. As one generation comes and passes, as we fail to give the gospel on, then that continues to, to manifest itself in that way. And we see it all around us. How shall they hear without a preacher? The word preacher there simply means proclaimer. One who publishes. A herald. It's not the office of the preacher. It's my job. Amen to that. But he's not talking about the office here. He's talking about the act. The act of preaching. The act of proclaiming. The act of heralding the gospel. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the missionary. It's every born again Christian. Is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. To a lost and dying world. Amen. Those who live beside us. Behind us and all around us. Every generation of Christians has been given the responsibility. And it's that, a responsibility to reach our generation. So what are we to do? Well, first of all, let me give you a couple, if you're taking notes, a couple L's tonight. First of all, listen to the Word. Listen to the Word. Go with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew, probably don't need to turn there. You know the verse very well. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 and following. Listen to the word. Matthew 28, 18 and following. The great commission. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Teach all nations, baptize, establish churches, teach them, disciple them. He says, go ye. It, this, this word comes from Jesus Christ. He says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and, and in earth. This is a word of authority. A word of authority. It matters who tells us. It matters who commands us it matters if a sibling if a one sibling is a little bit older than the other one sister says to a brother you better do that you better do that who are you to tell me mom said you better do that well that makes a whole different story there daddy said you better do that it makes all the difference in the world here god says we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go ye. Who is this speaking to? It's speaking to all of us. Go ye into all the world. 
the great commandment, the great commission. We have been commissioned by God to go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel. To whom much is given, much is required. If you're saved tonight, boy, hadn't you been given much? Haven't we all been given much? The mercy and the love and the grace of God, isn't it wonderful? Well, we have churches, we have pews. I see some of you fanning tonight, but praise the Lord for air conditioning. In the wintertime, praise the Lord for heat. We have been, God's so good to us. But you know, we can just become a little bit lazy and laid back and act like we just, we become consumers of God's goodness rather than the ones that God gives it to us so that we might turn around and give it to somebody else. Go ye, tell others. To whom much is given, much is required, so therefore we must be about the business of telling others of Jesus Christ. Listen to the word. What is he saying to us? Go, go, go. Thank the Lord for all those who have gone. But God's still calling others. He's still calling. And the issue is not God's calling. The issue is people answering. The answer to God's calling. So listen to the word, go. There's a missionary, a, a pastor actually, and had a left a pastorate in the 1800s and left a good pastorate up in Canada. And he t- took his wife and two children to the New Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific. This would be close down there in you all's neck of the woods. Back in the 1800s, and the islands were filled with cannibals. John Getty was the missionary. Before he had gotten there with his family, his wife, and two kids, 20 British soldiers had been killed and eaten just months before Getty arrived. But God said, you got to go. So he went. And he went, and he had to learn a difficult language. Constant, under threat of uh, being killed. Little or no help from home. But yet he remained faithful. The work was slow. But over time, a convert here and a convert there. This one won to Christ. That one won to Christ. And over time, he translated the Bible into their native tongue. 24 years, he labored, labored to win souls. He tell, his, his history tells us that he planted 25 churches there. At his first church plan, a plaque was laid in his honor after he had died and gone. It says, Pastor John Getty. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here. When he left in 1872, there are no heathen here. Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Just be faithful. Just keep on giving the gospel. How shall they hear without a preacher? Who's the preacher? All of us tonight. Every single one of us. We are the preachers. How shall they believe in whom they've not heard? The Great Commission says we are the preachers. God commands that we go, that we tell. Listen to the word of God and simply go. Be obedient to God's command. Romans chapter number 10 verses 15 and 16. And how shall they preach except they be sin? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The Bible tells us that, that they've not all obeyed. 
They've not all obeyed. Many will hear. Not all will be saved. They've not all obeyed. But regardless, we're still to go. Regardless, and that'll be our last point. Leave the results up to God. Leave the results up to God. Do our part. Listen to the word. Go. Be obedient to God's command. So first of all, listen to the word. Number two, look upon the fields. Look upon the fields. John 4 and 35, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They're white already into harvest. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest is sent forth labors unto the harvest. There in John 4, the woman at the well, had, she had come to know Christ, a personal relationship with Christ. When she came to know Christ, she left her water pots and she went into the city and she told everybody about Jesus. The multitudes came out. To see and to hear of this Jesus she had told them of. And the disciples have come. And they are now asking the question. Who is Jesus? Has already, I mean, what's he been doing? What's going on? We went to get food. He's no longer hungry it seems. Uh, who he's been discussing with. And he turns their attention. He sees the crowds coming. And he, it's like a field of people. And he says, look upon the fields. He likens them to a field of people who are coming. He says, look upon the fields. They are lost. They are dying. They're on their way to hell, eternally separated from God. Look at the people. Look at the throngs of people that pass us by every day. And you know, we see people often, particularly here in America. We see people. We just see people. And we, we just see that we see the sin of people, and we oftentimes can be disgusted at that. That disgusts me. That's wrong. And all of that, all those things that we see may be wrong, but if that's all we see, we fail in looking at the fields because God says, look at their souls. Yes, see the people, but see lost, dying souls. And may God help us to have a soul-conscious look upon the fields. Not just seeing an individual and being disgusted or frustrated at them because of a particular lifestyle or a way that they believe that we know is not right. That we just do not see them in that light, but we see them in the way that Jesus sees them as lost people that need Christ. C.T. Studd, you know the story of world-renowned cricketer in the late 1800s. He left fortune and he left fame and he went to China and then on to Africa. He said this, some want to live within the sound of a church or a chapel. A chapel bell, but I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. He saw people. Let me be the last one. May I be the last one that they might hear. I'm going to do all that I can to make sure they hear the gospel that they might be saved. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So often we see only the sin of the lost. And we run from them. We we shy away from them. We don't want anything to do with them. May God help us to see the souls of the lost and go tell them. Now ask us tonight. do Do you know anybody? Are you seeking to build a relationship with anybody that's lost? Do we have anybody that we're 
praying that we'd be saved, that we're investing our lives in because for the main purpose, for the cause, the fact is they are lost and they need Jesus. Or do we just kindly just stay in our own little four walls of our house? We don't have anybody that we know that's lost. We're not witnessing. We're not telling anybody else. So often we see only the sin, but may God help us to see the soul. May God break our hearts for the souls of lost people. Look upon the fields. As I mentioned, we were just in Denmark. And you see people everywhere. And so many people lost. And sin, the openness of the sin is quite rampant. Lost souls in every turn. 5.8 million people in a country where there are few and very, very few. Very, very few. Maybe count them on a handful. Of Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches. Gospel-preaching churches. Almost 8 billion people around the world. Amazing. Continues to grow. Japan, you could take every missionary, I imagine. With BIMI, under the umbrella of BIMI. Around the world. And put them in the country of Japan alone. In city after city after city. Brother Josh, you could put them in Tokyo and Osaka and Kansai, just all these places. Every missionary. And it would just be a drop in the bucket, wouldn't it, Brother White? Just be a drop in the bucket. It wouldn't be enough to go around. If you pulled them all out of the world and put them in one place, cities of hundreds and thousands and millions of people, one missionary in one place, then what a vacuum there is in every other place. All the need is great. Look upon the fields. People are lost and need to hear Christ. And may God burden our hearts for this truth. Listen to the word. Go. Look upon the fields. They're widened to harvest. Number three. Light the place where you are. Light the place where you are. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five. Light the place where you are. Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16. The Bible says in Matthew 5 verses 14 and following. Ye are the light of the world. A city, a place of refuge, a city that's set upon a hill and cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick that it giveth light into all that are in the house. We are the light. Be the light where you are. Where are you? Where are you during the day? Where are you in the places that you frequent? Where are you when you go out? When you go to, to Walmart? When you go to the grocery store? When you go to the clothing store? When you go to the automobile store to get these things fixed? Where are we? We're there. And we're there in that place. And there are lost people that need to hear the gospel. Light the place where you are. Live the truth in your life. Oh, what a tragedy to be a hypocrite. Live the truth. In your life, where you are. Love people to Jesus. Light the world where you are. Number four, learn to share the gospel. Learn to share the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I love the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, I love this chapter. Chapter number 15. 
1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, also received, how that Christ, here it is, the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. The sin is the problem. The penalty is death. But Christ paid the penalty. There you have the gospel in that, just that sentence right there. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Learn to share the gospel. The problem of sin is universal. The penalty of sin is death. The payment of sin is found in Jesus Christ. Share the gospel. Learn to do it. Work on it. Work at it. Share your testimony. If God's saved you, you've got something to share. Share your testimony. Carry Bible tracts. Oh, I so was so encouraged at our mission conference. The emphasis put on Bible tracts. I love that. It was mentioned in Sunday school, and I love it. I love that bridge track. We're over here, and God's over there. We can't get from here to where God is, except that Jesus, through the cross, He provides the bridge that allows us to cross over. Carry tracks with you. Know what the track says. Be able to take a gospel track and open it, open it and give somebody the gospel. Have a Bible plan. Have a Bible plan. The Romans Road. The Romans Road. Do you know the Romans Road? Is it, is it in your Bible? Can you start here and take somebody? Can you walk down the Romans Road with somebody to lead them to Jesus Christ? Romans 3 and 23, Romans 6 and 23 in the first part, Romans 5 and 8, Romans 6 and 23, the second part, Romans 10, 9 and Romans 10, 13. Other verses like this, and you could add others to that. But do you have a plan to lead somebody to Jesus? I dare say that many Christians have never thought about how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. So if somebody were to come to this old-fashioned altar and say, I need to be saved, or somebody was to walk up to you in a church like this and say, I need to be saved, that you could take your Bible and show them how to be saved instead of saying, okay, let's go find the Sunday school teacher. Let's go find the preacher. And all that's fine and dandy. Wonderful. But how about you? What if it's your neighbor that comes knocking on your door? And says, can you show me how to be saved? Do you know how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ? I dare say there are Christian after Christian after Christian that has never led anybody to Christ and wouldn't know where to begin. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. Learn to share the gospel. Number five, lean upon the Holy Spirit. Lean upon the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm scared to death. Yeah, me too. You never get over being scared. So what do you do? You learn to lean upon the Holy Spirit. You know, I found the Holy Spirit will put words in your mouth. He'll bring those verses to remembrance that you had forgotten so long ago. I didn't know what to say. But God helped me. God enabled me. God gave me the words. It's His Word. And God will give you the ability to... Preach the gospel to proclaim it to those who need to hear it. All we need to be is yielded vessels. Oh yes, prepare, prepare, learn, prepare. But what if I say the wrong thing? If you prepare, God will lead you. 
the Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit. Lean upon the Holy Spirit. David Livingston said, Livingston said he took the gospel to Africa, and he said, The thing that sustained me was this. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. God will be with you. You're simply that conduit that God uses. Lean upon the Holy Spirit. Number next, lastly, leave the results up to God. Leave the results up to God. Many have heard it, but not of all have obeyed it. God is the one that gives the increase. But listen, God rewards the efforts. He'll give the increase, but reward the efforts. You know what I believe God will do if we as a church will be faithful at this very task right here? And we, I pray that we'd reach an entire community in Harrison and Ottawa and Chattanooga for the glory of God. That'd be wonderful. But if people reject it time and time again, I believe God will reward the efforts and God will give the increase in His glory and His timing. Leave the results up to God. I can't do any saving. All I can do is the seeding, the watering. The only way to ensure that a work is to continue. I said this, I preached this message in Denmark to a group of believers sitting in a living room. Just a couple families. And they're sitting there. And once the missionary is gone, once the missionary moves on to the next station that God's called them to, And they're already asking the question, what next? Where do we go from here? What happens to us? And I said to that group of people, the only way to ensure that this work continues from this day forward is for you to win somebody else to Jesus. It's for you to be that witness. It's for you to... To tell somebody else and see this work continue forward for the glory of God. So it's not dependent upon the missionary, the pastor, if he's there or if he's gone. It's dependent upon those that are in the pew. Win somebody to Jesus. And it's true here. Win somebody to the Lord. Fanny Crosby said, rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. Weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen The fallen, tell them of Jesus, mighty to save. In closing tonight, I want to ask us a question. Let me just just think with me for a minute. How many are here tonight? I, I, I really don't know. 80 to 100 people maybe. I'm not sure if there's that many. But what if every individual here tonight, what if over the next six months, We would say, God, would you give me one soul? If we would set out as a church, God, give me one soul. And God, give me the ability. And I'm going to lean upon you. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to give my life. And Lord, use me. And Lord, I want to win a soul to you. I want to win a soul to Christ. What would happen to a church, a church this size, if every individual would set out to win one soul to Christ? What would this church look like? In six months. What would change? I promise you we all would. For the better. Can God do that through you? Yes he can. Would you ask God tonight. To help us look upon the fields. To listen to the word. Would you tonight say Lord I'll be willing. Give me one soul.
for Christ. Just start with one. It may be that God would give us more. Praise the Lord for that. But one soul. Would you say that tonight? We go to prayer. We bow our hearts in a word of prayer in just a moment. Would you say, God, one soul. You, already, you may already know who that is. God's already given you a name of an individual that needs Christ. And God, I'm going to do my best with your help to win that soul to you. You may not yet know who it is. But you tell the Lord, God, give me one. I'll be faithful. And God reward the efforts. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Father, we want to thank you tonight for the power of the gospel. It's the power of God into salvation. We thank you for that. And Lord, I pray tonight that our hearts would be tenderized. Lord, for a lost and dying world, thank you so much for a church. It's very, very mission-minded. Love missions. Love church planting. Love to be a part of it. But God, I know that we all can be individually. Lord, we can do it corporately, but may we be individually engaged in the work of preaching the gospel to a lost and dying world. And I pray that each one of us would say, Lord, I'll be the one. Give me one. Lord, help me to win one soul to you. Lord, we're going to, by faith, step out as an army of believers to see many people one to Christ. I pray that you burden hearts tonight. Lord, as you hear the prayers of, of your people. Lord, would you honor it? Lord, we, we're just simply seeking to do what you've commanded us. We're seeking to be obedient. In our feeble efforts, would you get the glory? Lord, would you, would you give the power and the strength and the ability? And God, I pray that at the end of it all, Lord, would you get all the recognition souls be saved, lives be changed, families be put back together. Lord, now help us to be obedient as we look to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.